Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome to today's show. I'll be speaking with Jen Park. Jen Park is a social worker in child welfare. While working full-time in the field of social work, as a single parent, Jen pursued her master's degree in social work. Jen has a podcast called Adventures of a New You, and she offers coaching for social workers to overcome feeling overwhelmed and to feel more bold and brave. So I am talking with my podcast friend, colleague, and just an awesome person. She's a social worker. She's a social work supervisor, and she has this wonderful podcast, Adventures of a New You. And I was very thankful to have been a guest on her show. I am talking to Jen Park. Jen, welcome to FASD Hope. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is great. This is great. So last time we talked, when I was on your show, we really got into FASD and social work. And, and we really explored some questions about like, why isn't this discussed more and everything like that? And I think what you do is so important when you work in child welfare, you're a supervisor and you have like just such inside knowledge as to what's going on. So I think that your being on the show is going to help us so that we can just share with people this is working, this is not working, you know, that, that kind of thing. So thank you again for, for being here. Let's talk about what made you get into social work and what you're doing today as a social worker. Okay. Well, I think that, I mean, this sounds cliche, so forgive me, but I don't think that you choose social work. I think that it finds you and, you know, I can look back at like little instances, but there's nothing like concrete that like, this is why I'm a social worker. It just was like, one day I got it in my head. I'm like, I'm going to work for DHS. I shifted that a little bit because <laughs> I, I interned at DHS and I was like, oh no, I don't want to work at DHS. But I <laughs> was in a program where I had to give a year back in a child welfare agency. So my plan was to give the year back and then to move on about my life. And here, about 12 years later, <laughs> and I'm in the throes of it. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> That's what I say. Like, you moved on just within. <laughs> moved on. I didn't leave. <laughs> And I, I just want you to know, even after like our conversation, like it has already shifted my practice, like my personal practice and how I show up like with my, you know, my workers. And I'm like, Hey guys, you need to be asking these questions because it's like, I had a training way back when, you know, about fetal alcohol syndrome and it had, you know, that name at that syndrome, exactly. Not spectrum. Yeah. No, not like, and I'm like, that was probably, it was a good number of years ago. We'll yeah. say that, yeah. but like, it was so minimal compared to like just our conversation. And I think there's just so much for us to learn here. 
I know. I know. Just thinking back to like when I was in college, you know, many, many years ago, and I took like child development and all those psychology courses, like no mention, you know, maybe no. again, like, the, like you said, the fetal alcohol syndrome, but mm-hmm. that was it. And right. you know, what we know so much now is, is that it's so much more prevalent than autism or any of the other de- developmental disabilities. And it's a spectrum, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not 90% of the cases of kids, you know, teens, adults that have an FASD do not have those facial characteristics that are associated with FAS, which is a more severe form of having an FASD. Wow. That when you say that, that you're actually, you know, sharing what you learned on our discussion that thank you that, that, oh my gosh, that like totally just reinforces why we're doing what we're doing. So, I mean, even if you just shift my practice, but then like, that's one, I know that's like one, it doesn't seem like a lot, but I'm hoping that our interview, it's a ripple effect though. Yeah. Had, has like raised some awareness. And then if I'm like, drilling it into my workers like that's you awesome like that's love like so so let's talk about that because I used to before way back when before you know before I became a, a mom and everything I worked in substance abuse I was a music therapist and, and recreation therapist in substance abuse and I remember that talking with any of our clients especially you know our clients who are female fetal alcohol never came up alcohol never came up as, as a prevention of don't do, don't drink, don't even think about drinking while you're pregnant or whatever. Even in that substance abuse community, it's, it's not spoken about when clinicians work with, with people that have addiction and and alcoholism. No, it's not. And I have done a lot of work in these groups that we are working on. There's been new legislation that's come down and like new requirements for us about infants that are substance exposed. There's no mention of alcohol, alcohol. anywhere. Like the hospitals aren't asking that. Yep. The OBGYNs aren't asking that. Social workers haven't been asking that. Like it's crazy that it's just so looked over. And and someone else I spoke with was was talking about they had training in in neonatal withdrawal kind of symptoms and everything. But, but again, we think of that because it's dramatic, more dramatic at birth and whatnot. But when we talk about alcohol in a, you know, in an infant and alcohol exposure, I think it needs to get just as much, if not, you know, more attention because it's long-term effects. It's, it's affecting it's lifelong because we know it crosses over the brain. We know it affects the cells. We know it affects the whole body. So, wow. So let's, let's talk about that. Does anybody ever bring up that when, when you're talking about a a child and the environment and everything, does anybody ever bring up, okay, alcohol? Has there been alcohol use, alcohol abuse, or is, does it really seem like an afterthought in your discussions as a social worker? I don't even think it's a thought to be honest with you. Like that's, I think how like stone age we are about it. Like, wow, it's not even brought up. And then, you know, we do sometimes like as, as we're working with a child and they're getting older, it's like, okay, well, we know that there was, you know, possible like, you know, opiate exposure or methamphetamine exposure. And, and nope, we don't know the research. There's just not enough research about that. And like the long-term effects, like we know, obviously there's going to be, in my opinion, there's going to be developmental, you know, aspects that are affected because of that exposure, but the alcohol is not even on anybody's radar. Like, 
And that's, it's crazy, like after talking to you and learning so much more that, you know, there's so many different like symptoms and, yeah. and signals that we should be picking up on. And that are like, when I then thought about the kids that I've been working with, I'm like, wait, could that be, maybe that is, and like, like we're starting to have these conversations now, you know, and I'm, I'm one person, but well, you know, like the more people that's, I can share with, uh, I'm like, we need to have these conversations and we yes. need to talk about it. Yes. Yes. So, and we also know too, and I'm sure you see, you've seen this too, that so you have the prenatal alcohol exposure, which is trauma, you know, before birth. And then if you think about a child who's been taken out of their home, you know, their birth parents home, you have lived trauma. So you mm-hmm. have layers of trauma. And if you don't address like the, the physical trauma first, which is like the prenatal trauma, and then of course, obviously physical trauma from the environment, and then the emotional trauma, it's like, you really have to just dig through all those layers of trauma and start with the FASD so that you can see how the brain has changed from the alcohol exposure and Mm -hmm. then base your interventions and base your um, needs and supports and things on top of that. Because what you could, you know, like what you're seeing in the kids that you work with could be what other people may just think is, oh, you know, they're just they're not listening. They're not following direction or anything. Those are symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I or both know ADHD symptoms. Exactly. Like behaviors. Yeah. That. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm just, again, I'm just so thankful you're on here because I just really appreciate what you do. First of all, what you do is not easy. In fact, it's, it, I think it's like one of the toughest jobs out there because, you know, you have such an important role. And we know that foster care, we know that the ultimate goal of foster care is reunification. So not only do we need to educate the foster care parents about FASD, in addition to the professionals, like you're saying, but we also have to educate those birth parents about it. And, and we have to take off that stigma because there's a lot of stigma, I think, in educating birth parents, because we, there's this, oh, well, you know, you did this to your child and no, I mean, talking about, you know, you and I just talking so many people probably didn't even realize they were pregnant when, you know, their child was conceived, you know, so many birth mothers, biological mothers, they, they probably didn't even know. And you know what else I think about a lot of those parents probably have FASD too. Yes. And nobody's yes. talking about it. Yes. Cause we know it's like a cyclic thing because what, what do you and I know about addiction? You know, if, if you grew up having a parent that had either alcoholism or an addict, you know, addiction, then the possibilities of you becoming, having, you know, an addiction or becoming an alcoholic are exponentially higher, you know, and then add trauma to the mix. So, wow. We know you were saying that during your training, you didn't have any training about FASD or anything. Tell me about the training you had about substance abuse with children. That, and, and perhaps that's because like, that is something that like, I'm really interested in. So I've taken a ton of training about that. And it's always like, sometimes it's like alcohol is like, you know, one slide at the end where right. like, I immersed myself, I think in a lot of, of the substance abuse training. Like I even did an independent study when I was in grad or an undergrad school about, you know, cocaine exposed infants. I'm dating myself a little bit there. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> but that was the thing yep. then. And then, yes. you know, since then we've shifted through the opiates and then to yes. now, like we're, you know, the waves go and we're and methamphetamine is the big thing right now. And yes. there's a lot of that, but when you think about, I think about the pandemic, everybody's drinking. Yes. Yes. Like we just released on our social media, some stats of recent studies that were uh, released in JAMA that said binge drinking among women is up 41% since the pandemic. So I just listening to my friends. I believe it. Yep. And pandemic babies are up. I don't know what that percent is. I know. So we know this problem is just going to get worse. This is a public health crisis, just like domestic violence, just like any other public health crisis. This is a public health crisis that I think the pandemic is only going to magnify. Yes. Let's talk about the mindset in social work, the mindset of alcohol exposure versus drug exposure. Why do you think there's such such an emphasis on the drug exposure, no discussion about alcohol exposure. I mean, I think it's a lot of times there's alcohol use in general. It's like, well, it's legal, right? It is, right. but that doesn't mean, you know, it's safe or it's okay. Like you're not supposed to eat hot dogs when you're pregnant. You're not supposed to eat lunch meat. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or, or sushi. Yeah. Or soft cheese. Like, yes. So it's just, and it's one of those things I think that, you know, we don't talk about it. And I think there've been periods too, where doctors have said, it's okay if you have this yes. much alcohol or, I mean, my son is 11 and, and the mind frame when I was like looking to have a child was, you know, if it happened before you knew you were pregnant, don't worry. Right. And we know that that's, (laughs) That's yeah, we we know that that's not the, exactly. And, and thinking again, just thinking about what we've learned, especially in the past five to 10 years about alcohol, how it crosses the limbic system, how it affects there's, there's over, I think this, the number is like, there's about 428 over 400 medical diagnoses that come along with having prenatal alcohol exposure. And there's such a devastation to that child when, whenever the little bit, you know, or a lot. And we also know it's a spectrum disorder. So there are also several other diagnoses which are in the DSM-5 of what happens when, you know, someone is exposed to alcohol. So again, we keep talking about this, but this is a conversation that needs to be had. So let's talk about, I'm so, again, I'm just so thankful that we had our conversation and that you are teaching your, your, your crew. (laughs) Yes. You're teaching your crew about, you know, FASD and about how it's a spectrum and how it can affect in, in so many different ways. So what are some suggestions that you have to social workers out there who are listening or, or anybody who's affiliated with the social work system? What are some suggestions that you have to help them learn more about FASD while we're waiting for like, you know, systemic change to happen? I think social workers are always waiting for. Oh my goodness. That's yes. Yes. So we do what we do best, right? We educate ourselves and we talk amongst our peers. Like that's, that's some of like the best that we can do. And when we find a resource, it's sharing it. That's really, 
the like my that's one of my favorite things and you know like I have you know my group for social workers where I bring people together and I share yes that that's something I enjoy doing like I don't want to be over here hoarding all my knowledge when I know something I want to share and I want everybody to know what I know and and have the resources that I have especially the free ones yes exactly (laughs) exactly and educating ourselves is the biggest one and then advocating yes because that's social work skill number two. That's, that's exactly advocating. Exactly. And and that's what, you know, brought you to being a so and I love how you said, you know, I didn't pick social work, it picked me. And I'm sure millions of social workers out there feel the same way. Mm-hmm. So so if you're listening and and you are a social worker or studying social work or just have any type of relationship with the social work field, educating yourself about FASD it is so important because we know, again, the statistics, 80% of kids and youths in foster care have been exposed to alcohol. And that's in addition, like you said, everybody talks about all of the other stuff, you know, but because alcohol is legal, people just either they don't think about it, or maybe they assume that there was no drinking or whatever. But if you think about somebody who is addicted, you know, they usually start somewhere and, and build, you know, they start smoking and then drinking and then, you know, pot and then whatever, you know, or from my experience, they see it growing up. They see, you know, um, when I worked, you know, with substance abuse, you know, their parents drank and their parents' parents drank or whatever. So it's this, it's this cycle. And these kids are part of this cycle that if we don't address, we know the statistics as far as, you know, incarceration or drugs, you know, themselves or gangs or premature death. So tell me as a social worker, and and I know this might just be a hard question to answer. Can you think of any kids that stood out to you as far as like, yeah, thinking about it now, there probably was alcohol exposure or something along those, those lines. So you, it's interesting. So you ask about kids because that's what we talk about a lot, but actually it's, there's, um, there's a dad actually that really sticks out to me the most, like, cause I think that knowing a little bit about his history, you know, growing up, but also just watching him and like seeing how, you know, he interacted and, and, you know, the way he does certain things, like he's the one who sticks out in my head that I think wow. that he definitely was an FASD, but it's interesting. Cause a lot of, a lot of the kids we work with, you know, get put on that ADHD spectrum mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I know a lot about ADHD, mm-hmm. ADHD world, but Sometimes it's like, you're looking and they're like, is it more? Could it like, is it this? Is it mm-hmm. that? Like, you see other things. So those kids have me thinking like, yeah. could that be, but the, yeah, the primary one that I think of is that one dad. Wow. Wow. And you know what? That's a really good point again about it's something you never outgrow when you're exposed to alcohol, you don't outgrow it. So what we think are behaviors, those symptoms or how they interact with their environment are a result of the alcohol exposure. So, wow, that I'm, I'm glad you're sharing this. So 
let's talk about how you and I, like, let's just brainstorm. Okay. So systemic on, on my end, I'm thinking like, you know, legislation about FASD on a national level, you know, or every state having their own FASD kind of, you know, society, the way autism does, you know, how every, or even ADHD, you know, how certain diagnoses, disabilities have their own like state organizations. So for me, I would think that either a state or definitely nationally having FASD recognized, having, you know, the research, you know, shown and shared, teaching everybody on a systemic level. So that's, you know, social workers. And I think it starts, you know, like in school, in, in, you know, in college and universities, it starts early, you know, it can't just be a part of your training professionally. It it has to come as part of their curriculum. Same thing with doctors. And you Mm -hmm. bring up a really good point. The sad joke is I bet if you asked 10 OBGYNs, if drinking is safe during pregnancy, you'd probably get 10 different answers. Yeah. So, so on that level too, you know, and I've actually interviewed birth moms, biological moms who have, have told me, you know, their doctors have said, Oh, it's okay. You know, you just had this. It's okay. Now, you know, but it wasn't systemic changes in a perfect world where we could just, you could go in and you, you would know like, okay, this child was exposed or whatnot. What are some steps that you think we can take to, to start getting to where we hope to be? I think number one, like you said, it is like the education piece for both social workers, doctors, teachers, everybody like that has, and foster parents use like that level of training. I'm sure there's more that I'm missing there, but OBGYNs for sure. I think that we need to start there. And then pediatricians, I think need to have maybe some kind of a screening tool. Like you yes. know, when you go to your checkup and they ask you, do you use a car seat? Do you use a bike helmet? Mm-hmm. Like, and there is a, there is an FASD toolkit for the American Association of Pediatrics. Actually, I interviewed one of the creators of it. She's an, an amazing um, developmental pediatrician and it's there. It's just, do people know that it's there? You know, yeah, so it's, that so that's part of that, you know, that awareness, you know, that raising awareness and you're doing that even, you know, and I'm so like thrilled, even though I know you think, you know, you're one person, but you're making a difference. I mean, the fact that you understand that, you know, this is a brain disability, this is, this is not just the most severe form. This is anything. And this has ripple effects. That is just awesome. And I also think that just support services. So like thinking about that dad, you know, if he had supports and services in place, that ripple effect could have been smaller. If he had somebody saying, Hey, you know, we're thinking not just now, like working with him now, but like stepping back, that kind of thing. So um, I I think definitely having supports and services, but again, on a huge level, you know, not just on like a one social worker kind of level, even though, again, you're making a difference, but having, but having, yeah. But I mean, knowing that you, you know, that the 20 other social workers you work with, they all have that same information and that same, those same resources that they can access, you know? So yeah, I'm calling this episode a call to action because I really think that you and I meeting is not an accident. I, I really think that, you know, me talking on your show about FASD and then you coming onto my show and, and telling our audience that the need is there. 
there is oh, a absolutely. need, you know, yeah, there's definitely a need. So what would you like to see happen for your profession in terms of FASD? I would, I would like one for us to have this increased awareness because I think we all do need training. Definitely. We need more education. We need to have a better understanding. And I think that we need to include this in our practice and our assessments, just like we do with when we're having interviews about substance abuse. Like I think that do we talk about alcohol use? Yeah, we talk about it, but do we specifically talk about it during pregnancy? No, we don't. And, and we need to, I think that that definitely needs to be included. So that that's my first, <laughs> my first step is yes. I think that. And then I think that, like you said, that we need to extend that education to the doctors so that, that we have a lot of work to do with OBGYNs just in general, as far as social work and OBGYNs being on the same page about things, yeah. But, yeah. but this is part of it. And I think that more team approaches in general, yes, because especially, I, and I will say coming out of the pandemic, the ability to have team meetings and zoom is a game changer. Yeah. And there's no reason why we can't be more on the same page using technology. So exactly. That's, that's like a little side rant. I love that. But that's totally, that's a hundred percent true. You have access to, there's no reason why you can't be in on that dis- discussion. Right. That's right. awesome. I and love that. So many opportunities for conversation there. And for social workers listening, know that these trainings about learning about FASD are on the web now. They're online now. You know, these virtual trainings are, you can get CEUs for, you know, for learning about FASD. So while we're waiting and praying for this big systemic change to happen, like you said, advocate and educate yourselves. And the resources are there online. You know, the ability to learn about FASD is there to learn on online in the meantime. So I love that. I love that advocacy in you, Jen. I think that's just, that's awesome. I love that. It's in trouble sometimes, but. (laughs) You know what? We advocates though, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. We do have that little wild streak in us. (laughs) You have to be a little bit charming, I think. (laughs) I love that. So let me talk about your passion project, Adventures of a New You. I love this podcast. I love what you have to offer. Share. I want to give you a platform for that. Share with me about this because you and I both love podcasting. We think it's great. Yes, I do. I love it. I love it. Um, So Adventures of a New, that's my podcast. I share, you know, some of my own story and just like how I went from basically being a full-time single mom, I call it to, you know, and working in the social work field and kind of literally just trying to survive until bedtime to getting to a place where now I'm working with social workers and trying to help them overcome feeling overwhelmed and feel bold and brave is what I say. I love that. (laughs) I love that. And it's so needed too, because there's such a high percentage of burnout in social work, just like in all those other professions that you're, you really are giving, you know, like a chunk of yourself to the people you work with, you know, to your, to your clients, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I love that, that you're giving social workers a space for like renewal to feel better. That's awesome. So we're going to list Jen's information as far as adventures of a new you, her handles um, that you can follow her on. And I highly recommend it. It's, it's a great podcast. And um, Jen also is just a natural host 
post too. And I hear your dog in the background and I, I know that, I'm sorry. Like, no, you don't have to apologize. See, okay. That's the thing. Uh, and, and this is kind of like in the FASD community, special needs community, I, you know, we get each other's like lives. It's like, yeah. it's fine. You it's know, if life. my almost six-year-old comes running in here, then, you know, so be it. <laughs> She'll be part of today's episode. <laughs> That's great. Now, so how long have you been doing your podcast? A little over two years. Nice. So yeah. share with me some tips because I I'm coming on a year. So share yeah. with me some tips about podcasting. Like what have you learned as a podcaster? So some things that I've learned are you can't force it. Yes. <laughs> it like the topics that you're going to talk about I, for me, they just like come to me and like some days I'm not feeling it. And like, I try to have an episode out on Wednesdays and it's like, some days there's no like spark there. And I just, but if you wait, it's like Thursday night, it's like, there it is. Like the same message will show up for me a few times, yeah. like throughout my day. And I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to talk about Yes, right yes. there, right there. Yes. And I think with interviews, like for me, like I have to like connect with somebody and then the interview I think is really good, but yes, you like meet somebody and you're like, I don't know, like they're not for you. So. Or, or they just answer and then that's it. You know, yeah. it's like, blah, 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 blah. You're like, you want to be on my podcast, but like, you're kind of boring. <laughs> I know. I confession. I've had that happen to me know, before too. Like, and then yeah. you feel bad. You're yeah. like, oh yeah, you're so boring. But I know. <laughs> I'm laughing just because I know I feel you. I do. You do. And it's like, cause you don't want to make them, you know, like do it over again. Or you're you're like, Oh, how do I? Yeah. Yeah. And you know how much courage it takes to ask to be on somebody's podcast. So then you don't want to be like, no, I don't think you're a good fit, but sometimes (laughs) it's just not though. I know. So there has to be that natural conversation. And you know what? I think almost like with social work and and other helping professions, like we have to like actively listen to our guests. There has to be that. Oh, so what you're telling me is, and that kind of thing. I I think my favorite podcasts are those, you know, those natural conversations where you talking about something and then just something else you know, grows back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is why I'll have you on again and you can, (laughs) and we'll be on each other's shows again, except I won't be like, as like, FASD, you you know, I'll like, I'll talk about like living in the country or something like that. So (laughs) people know that I'm like, you know, I have like a a human side, not just, you're just very passionate. (laughs) My advocate mom coming out. Uh, Oh my goodness. Yes. See, and that's, that's another reason why I feel like I connect with you. Like we got the whole mama bear thing going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you do, yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. So this has been a great conversation and we've talked a lot. We've talked about the need for FASD awareness, education, advocacy, you know, systemically, definitely social work, definitely, you know, just all these professions that are engaged in with these families that are in hard places. We've talked about your awesome, awesome podcast, by the way, I'm going to plug it again, Adventures of a New You. We have just had this great conversation. I like to end our episodes with hope because you and I both know that, you know, (laughs) tell me about it, buddy. I hear you. (laughs) The dog wants to talk about hope. I love it. (laughs) And I'm not editing this out. This is (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I've never had a dog tell me about hope, but please. <laughs> well, you can't see us that he's giving me a total. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Everybody's going to be like, what are they talking about? I love it. I love it. But what, what words of hope do you have for the listeners out there? And so we're, you know, our audience is family members, people who work with, you know, individuals with FASD, anyone related to the FASD community as a social worker. And especially since in light of what you've learned, like in the past few months, what words of hope can you give to our listeners? I think that there, there's always space for us to learn and grow. And that when you're faced with, with a challenge like this as a parent or a social worker, because I've, I've been on both sides of that, where you're faced with a challenge, you might not be able to figure out exactly what's, I don't want to say wrong, but what the challenge is that's really in front of you, but you want to figure it out and try to support, especially the kiddos that you're working with or the kiddos that you're caring for or, tr- or raising, if they're your own, that there are different avenues and there's always something that you can learn and somewhere that you can connect to and some kind of resource. You might not even have any idea what it is, but I think like you said, how you and I connected, I think that there's always a connection that you can find, whether you're just asking questions, you're, you know, having conversation. And sometimes it's hard to talk about like, you know, problems that you're having, but when you're like, I need help, but you don't know where to turn, you just got to keep asking. And, And then there's, there's resources out there. You just have to figure out what the resources that you need. And I know that's, that's like hard. Like that was kind of a lot. I don't know if that was helpful. No, but, but I love it. You got to keep asking. I love that. That is yeah. great. And you got to advocate. Yes. And- you are your kid's best advocate. Mm-hmm. You are. And I am just so thankful to have met you, Jen. So will you share with me, um, Adventures of a New You. What are your social media handles so that people can follow you? I'll list these in our program notes, but super uh, easy. It's Adventures of a New You <laughs> on Instagram and, and on Facebook. Adventures of a New You.com. If you forget, there you awesome. go. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, and thank you, buddy, thank you. Your, your dog, for giving me that final word of hope. <laughs> I'm so glad that we have an ally like Jen Park on our side because she's an amazing social worker. She's doing an amazing an amazing mission. I don't think it's just, you know, a career. I think what she does is a mission and she is taking what she's learned about FASD and like just trying to help as many people as she can. And so for that, Jen, as a mom, I have to say thank you because that really just makes me feel so good and it gives me hope. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is a call to action. Just like Jen said, educate, advocate, and never stop asking questions. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.